welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. It's a brand new year, and we're continuing our journey looking at young adult literature, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. And I'm Joe. I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumseh-Sequim territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequim-Ulu and Joe. Mm-hmm. I did not do a territorial acknowledgement for today's episode because it takes place in Taiwan. And mm-hmm. what was I thought really interesting about this book, though, is that this is my first exposure to any understanding of the indigenous populations of Taiwan, which the book Mm -hmm. talks about um, in some length. I don't know enough, and my research was too cursory to tell you what the indigenous population of Taipei specifically is, Joe. Mm -hmm. But I did learn that there are currently a number of groups with legal indigenous status, including Chimo, Kakabu, Makado, Paza, Assyria, and Taiwan. So I've been learning about that this week as a jump off from Love Boat Taipei, which I think is kind of fun. All right. Yeah. So folks, we are kicking off 2024 with one of the titles that we were excited for because yeah, like we don't often get to talk about a lot of it sounds dumb to say, ooh, foreign set YA, but like we haven't really had the opportunity to talk about a lot of texts that are set like in Asia, in China, Mm -hmm. in Taiwan. So it's really exciting that we're finally getting around to talking about Abigail Hingwen's Love Boat Taipei, which came out in 2020, as well as its film adaptation Uh. question mark, Love Taipei, (laughs) which came out last year, 2023. So I I really enjoyed this book. Uh, We have read I think a lot, well, I mean, not a lot, but we have uh, attended to a fair number, I think, of Asian American texts in particular. Yeah, but they're always set in the U.S., They're always set in the U.S., Except for, like, Exo Kitty, which, I mean, (laughs) well, that's also a TV show, so. Yeah. So, I really enjoyed, I mean, we're still, still, these are mostly Asian American teens, but Mm -hmm. they're in a much different setting here. So I'll do a little plot summary, Joe, and then we can sure. talk about how much we both really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so our protagonist's name is Ever Wong. It's short for Everett Wong. And there's this really great sort of reflection on like the American names that immigrant parents give their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, she's a senior in high school. She's coming to the end of her her time in high school. And her parents are looking towards her going to a really good medical program. Like she basically mm-hmm. was She applied to a bunch of schools. She was only accepted to one. She's going to Northwestern for medicine. But it's a great program. It's Mm -hmm. like the BSC, MD together. Her parents are really proud. Right. Well. (laughs) But, well, yeah. (laughs) When they think to say it. But the issue is that this isn't really what Ever wants to do. She's also been waitlisted at Tisch, which is the dance school at uh, NYU. And that's what she really wants to do. But mm-hmm. it doesn't seem possible within the confines of her family. Yeah. She's planning to spend the summer dancing, maybe even like secretly plotting a way to go to NYU instead of Northwestern without her parents finding out seems Girl. unlikely, but she definitely <laughs> seems to think that's possible. Yep. 
But instead, what happens is her parents bundle her up and send her to Taiwan for the summer. They think this is a like big reward for how hard she's worked and a mm-hmm. way to get her connected back to her culture and language. And they've made big sacrifices to be able to do it. So yeah. Ever's parents are not wealthy and her mom no. has no, and her mom has pawned a pearl necklace that she brought with her out of Taiwan when she first immigrated to the US. And that's what she sold to like pay for this plane ticket. Mm-hmm. So the hope for her parents is that she will learn to love Taiwanese culture and feel more connected to her own heritage, like mm-hmm. learn Mandarin. Like these are all the reasons she's going. Yeah, they pick all of her electives. So she doesn't even get to do the things she wants to do. She has to do the things that they have prescribed, like calligraphy, definitely no fan dancing or anything like that. And I love that tension between her parents' expectations and what she really wants and how they can't bridge the communication divide. So every time she tries to talk to them, she gets her back up and she's Mm -hmm. very combative and they don't listen to her and she doesn't feel respected. Like, it's a story we've seen so many times before, but I felt like this captured it in a different way. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I really do. It, it's clear that her parents are very, very controlling. And mm-hmm. the book is focalized through Ever. So we do feel her sense of constraint and limitation. Yep. But there's something about the way Abigail Hingwen writes. I felt great empathy for her parents all the way through. And that's a really yes. hard thing to achieve, like to both understand Ever's perspective and feel her struggle and pain and not read her as a brat, because I never mm-hmm. read her as a brat while at the same time recognizing how difficult the situation is for her parents. Like, that's hard to do. And she does Mm -hmm. it really well here. Right, yeah. So she does thankfully have a couple of confidants. She has a best friend, Mm -hmm. Megan, who she dances with. And then she has a younger sister, Pearl, who has struggled with dyslexia. And we learn how their father has supported Pearl and developed strategies and It does seem like Pearl is better able to negotiate that tension because she is the younger daughter, whereas everything really falls on Ever. You know, dad used to be a doctor in Taiwan, so now you need to be a doctor, even though Ever is terrified of blood. (laughs) She doesn't really like medicine. Like, it's just not her passion at all. And then she also gets shipped away to Taiwan. Yes. And so when we arrive in Taiwan, it's immediately wildly overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Ever doesn't speak the language. The book does a really good job of sort of exploring what it feels like to be a linguistic minority in a place. Mm -hmm. But she immediately finds out that this school is not really maybe as seriously Mm -hmm. academic focused as her parents imagine (laughs) it is. In fact, it's kind (laughs) of... It's kind of a party school. And basically, these teenagers spend all their time trying to subvert the chaperones and go out partying. And mm-hmm. even though Dragon Lady, who's the lead counselor, has gotten harsher over the years and now has a system of demerits, which is apparently new, mm-hmm. um, everybody still basically does what they want all the time. <laughs> Yes, and this is most embodied in Ever's roommate, Sophie, who is rich and outgoing. She's like the life of the party. She's constantly trying to get Ever to accompany her and break the rules, but she also has depth and layers. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really like is the more we learn about Sophie as well as her cousin, Rick Wu, who Ever hates because he is Wonder Boy. He's the (laughs) perfect Chinese son Basically, Ever's parents would love for her to be Rick Wu, which just means that she hates him. And of course, that means she will also fall in love with him. 
But and of course, he's been featured in the Chinese language newspaper that her parents read mm-hmm. obsessively all the time. And so she knows everything about him, even though they've never met before. Yep. But one of the things that becomes really great as the book progresses is just how complicated all these characters yeah. are. So Sophie seems very outgoing and flirtatious, but secretly she's under a huge amount of pressure to find a rich boyfriend so that she doesn't end up like her own impoverished mother, who is really struggling financially after a divorce. And then Rick is dealing with a girlfriend that his family does not like at all and they consider her very controlling but secretly she's nearly suicidally depressed and he's been trying to prop her up without confiding anyone Mm -hmm. so I, i love how the book over the course of this eight week program you know it hits a lot of really familiar beats where ever does break the rules and she gets caught and it's a lot of trouble but also none of these characters feel shallow or tropey No, and I think you're getting at the core of what works about this book because at the center, we have a love square, Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically. Rick is in love with Ever. Xavier is also in love with Ever, but Sophie is in love with Xavier. And Mm -hmm. Ever can't pick which one of the boys she likes the most at many different points in the text. And Mm -hmm. in fact, she ends up sleeping with Xavier Um which is, I think, one of the more interesting scenes in the book. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, a a regrettable sexual experience without being... It's not slut-shamey in no, a way that I expected. Like, I think even Ever knows that it's not the right thing to do in the moment. Mm-hmm. But she says, you know what, this person is here and they really like me, so I'm going to go along with it. And then in the morning, she really regrets it, but she's still able to understand and... You know, she dodges Xavier uh, for a little while and then tries to make it up for him, but they never quite get back to where they were. And I don't know, like so many of these relationship sort of milestones are familiar, but done in a different way than we're used to. So even whenever ends up with Rick Wu, it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, you know, we've, we've just hit the thing that everybody expected from the beginning of the book. Like, the Xavier stuff really took me by surprise. Well, and there's so many ways in which it's different. You expect there to be some sort of confrontation scene where Rick finds out that she has slept with Xavier and it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that never manifests. And no. I was so relieved to not see that happen in the book. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, I'm the first one to complain about love triangles and love squares in YA books Mm -hmm. like i'm usually really bored of them but this one was genuinely compelling it's not always clear who the best match is for any of the characters in the book and no even the characters who might make you the most nuts like in any other book i think i would probably have just hated sophie yep Mm -hmm. but here she's lovely and she has good qualities they get hidden by some really bad qualities sometimes but like Mm -hmm. it's just very human i think that's what i will come back to here all of these characters are very very human and it makes for what could have been a really tropey boring story it makes it it makes it not that it makes it really fresh Mm -hmm. so the the central conflict ends up coming down to this weekend where Sophie has planned to introduce Xavier to her very, very wealthy family. And she brings Ever and Rick along as almost distractions to help make sure that the weekend, yes, buffers (laughs) to make sure the weekend goes well. 
And of course, this is when S goes down. So, oh, Rick is her cousin, by the way. I don't know if we've said that. Rick and Sophia are actually cousins. They're not, there's no love square between them. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, Ever ends up discovering that Xavier is the guy who has been secretly sending her very beautifully drawn illustrations. So, he's been nursing a crush on her since nearly the beginning. But at this point, he is purportedly with Sophie, even though. They clearly have not been getting along. Sophie's been maybe lying about the sexual nature of their yeah. relationship. So they have a kiss. And this gets discovered by Sophie, who, of course, doesn't blame Xavier. No. In true to fashion girl world, she blames Ever. And the two of them have taken kind of boudoir photos that at Love Boat is a very traditional thing where you would go and get glamour shots taken so that you could give them to boys you like and they both maybe ill-advisedly mm -hmm. ended up taking nude photos but then when Sophie gets her heart broken by this she distributes Ever's oh, naked photos it's the worst thing it's the worst thing and this is the moment where you're like, oh, Sophie is the villain of this book, even though you implicitly understand exactly why she did it and mm -hmm. how she's acting out and it's not good. And you know that they will get there in the end. Like, that's one of the tropier bits where you say, okay, they will patch up this relationship in the same way that Ever will have to deal with Xavier's crush because they are not the right fit. But it's how we get there that makes it really effective. So, you know... Ever gets into so much trouble. Her mm -hmm. parents want to bring her home early. Suddenly, she's not allowed to perform in the talent show that everybody's been building up to. She's not even allowed to leave the campus grounds and so on. There's this whole scene about, like, these boys who she's been friends with and, like, help them with their homework or help them with their problems or, like, they've been pals. And the way they all look at her so much differently once they have this photograph in their hands that I thought mm -hmm. was really well done. And the mm -hmm. sense of betrayal that she feels like that everything is lost in this moment. And right. the unfairness of that, I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just about like taking nude photos is a bad idea, which it is, obviously. But like, I mean, that's not yeah. the focus here. The focus here is on like, it's actually really unfair that this un ravels her this one choice mm -hmm. and and one of the things that i loved is at that weekend before everything goes down rick and ever have been pretending to be a romantic couple which is just the classic mm -hmm. ya rom-com trope and his family and sophie's family love her yeah and that was a huge surprise to me i thought it was gonna go that usual way where the family doesn't like her which yeah. is exactly what happens on the phone mm -hmm. uh. mm -hmm. but i i kind of love that that's where you think the conflict's gonna lie and instead it's this not well-timed kiss with xavier which then leads to not well-timed sex with xavier which leads to all of this fallout with sophie and you know, at this point, Ever understands what Sophie is going through. So even though she can't forgive her entirely, she understands at least what drove her to do that. And it feels like the kind of unforgivable thing. But because Ever is growing so much over the course of this, she realizes, you know what, I don't really regret the nude photos in a way because it made me more comfortable with my body. She ultimately ends up patching it up with Sophie. And then, of course, we have to get a typhoon that changes where everything goes. <laughs> yes. The end is uh, one of the more like, I'm sorry, what? Dramatic <laughs> endings mm -hmm. we've had, I think. So, yes, we have a typhoon and they're on this tour of the southern part of Taiwan. 
when um, one of the counselors finds out that her family has been, I guess it's it's the whole community. Her family mm-hmm. is fine, but they're they everything they own has been wiped out. So right. Mei Hua, who's been like kind of their ally, like she sort of pretends she to turns not a see. blind eye to a yeah. lot of the shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, so they decide that they're gonna turn the talent show into a big fundraiser, big relief mm-hmm. effort, and. It's one of the nicer things that happens in the book is that everybody pulls together for this. We don't have yep. any clear villains here. There's nobody who's setting out to sabotage the, the talent mm-hmm. show or anything. No, and Ever and Sophie are back to being yes. friends at this point where like they both kind of understand and they work through their issues. It's really it's, it's a nice book from the perspective of girlfriendship actually like Yes. I think it's honest in mm-hmm. in the bad things happen but the way that people can work through their problems. But there are other dramas that come up so Rick has to take off because apparently Jenna is like on her way to Taiwan and she's not mm-hmm. well. And so he's off to go and rescue her one more time, which leaves Ever feeling very conflicted. Like on the one hand, Rick's the guy everybody relies on. That's great. And on the mm-hmm. other hand, like, mm, but I would like you to be here now. Right. Um, her father comes early to pick her up from Taiwan, which I found an interest. Like they flew her there by herself, but she's got to come back with him. Well, I think it's because they don't trust her to come back on her own. So they send him to collect her and make sure she gets on the plane. And yeah, of course, he comes on the day of the performance. And then there's a near fatal accident where he almost falls in front of a car and she twists her ankle and dislocates her shoulder, getting him to safety. And then, of course, she still has to go out and perform with Rick and everyone else because they've been practicing this dance performance all summer. But also the important part is that like they end up back in this hospital to get there to get treated or they end up on an ambulance on their way to the hospital to get treated mm-hmm. and this is where um we find out like we knew that ever's dad was doing consulting work in taiwan but like how mm-hmm. highly respected he is by yeah. the hospital and how much he's changed their patient care because of the advice that he gives mm-hmm. and so ever gets to see her dad in this entirely different light and kind of imagine what a different kind of life would have been like for him so they develop this closer bond that allows her to be much more honest with him than she has been in the past Mm -hmm. and then he gets to see her dance and he's really blown away by what she accomplishes so when they do end up returning home they sort of form a united pact not against her mom but he more implicitly understands what is driving ever so Mm -hmm. she says she's going to take a gap year she's going to do choreography because even though she loves dancing over the summer she realized her passion was actually working to choreograph other people so she's going to do that and then start to figure out where she wants to go and she gets the money back for the deposit to northwestern and even though her mother kind of stops talking to her for a little Mm. bit her dad stands behind her and you get a better sense that ever understands how to at least communicate what she wants without telling her parents either nothing at all which is what she's done in the past or just making things worse by being combative so there's a huge amount of growth oh my god there's so much growth because even even still like her father takes inspiration from her bravery mm-hmm. and he quits his job as an orderly to really like ramp up this consulting business he has in taiwan and like mm-hmm. sets himself up a remote office and really takes like a chance on himself and his talents and his skills mm-hmm. And that's really beautiful, too. And there's this whole scene where, you know, her dad says, like, 
Sometimes you come home from school and you start speaking so quickly in English. We don't understand anything you're saying. And then you're mad at us when we don't know what's important to you. And it was just Mm -hmm. so heartbreaking. It's so So, good. Even though things aren't fully resolved with her mom at the end of the book, you do have this real sense of like an upward trajectory for the whole family. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, Brenna, we were today years old when we (laughs) discovered that even though I think this book does such a good job of wrapping things up while still hinting, you know, okay, there's a lot more left to go. It feels standalone, but Mm -hmm. it turns out this is actually the first book in a trilogy. (laughs) We had no idea, folks. We had no idea. And I can't tell you how refreshing it is to not have had any idea that this was part of a trilogy. Like the fact that this book stands on its own, that you don't come to the Mm -hmm. end wishing for resolution that no i just i'm so grateful for that and it makes me a little bit nervous because like Mm -hmm. what's the genesis of the next two books is it just that this book made like more money than they expected so they you know these things make us worry Mm -hmm. but i i don't think it's that because they come out about one year apart and well obviously we recognize in ya circles sometimes that does mean oh we can just turn things around really quickly I do get the sense that Hingwen had maybe planned this all along. I do know that book two centers more around Sophie and Xavier. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I will give it a chance because this was really exceptional. I thought that the way she makes the tropes work for her throughout Mm -hmm. this narrative and yet manages to give us something that feels really modern and fresh. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I... I thought it was a very well done book, Joe. I really enjoyed it. And that is why the movie is so disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, before we transition over, I have one caveat for people. If you have not read the book and we've maybe intrigued you into sampling it, do not read this book on an empty stomach. Oh, no, you will get so hungry. The food descriptions are amazing. Because part of what's happening is that, like, Ever's being exposed to a different version of all these foods that her parents like, but that Mm -hmm. she sees as being, like, sort of stuffy and tied up in her parents' world and things that she's never even tried, even though her parents eat them all the time. And, like... Well, in part because it's a response to racism that she faced when she tried to bring, quote-unquote, traditional food to a white person school as a child. 100%. 100%. And so... I mean, the language stuff is really important and interesting, but Mm -hmm. the ways in which she reconnects with her own culture and starts to understand her parents, like the gift she brings back for her mom is Mm. like an appropriately ripe dragon fruit, not like the dried out gross ones that her mom can get access to in the US. And Mm -hmm. that is a really beautiful scene. Honestly, this book just hits so many highs Mm -hmm. and the relationships are all so believable, but they're so complicated, but also very tropey and familiar. Like it's such a delicate balance, but also the book is really easy to read and I sped through it and loved all the characters. (laughs) Yes. And how wild is that? How wild is that that we have all these, I mean, with the exception of ever, like almost everybody is a spoiled rich kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and- Mm -hmm. And to be able to enjoy them all as much as we do, I just think, yeah, this book is quite remarkable. Yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Starting the year off high. (laughs) Surprise! You are going to Taipei. Like Taiwan? We want to give you something special. It's going to be the perfect summer. Hi! Hi. I'm Sophie Ha. Like, haha. I, I never. Do you go to college? Um, are you excited for the summer? I've seen any guys you like. (sighs) Do you not like to talk? Um... I don't really know if excited is the right word. 
You are here to learn and experience your cultural heritage. Parents send their kids here because they think it's a cultural program, but we're all here because we know what it really is. Stop! One big party. This is Ever. You should ask Ever out. You're single, and she struggles with social skills and making friends and stuff like that. It's perfect. What? Catch you later, Ever. Bye. Rick. Maybe this trip is your chance to let loose for a change. Live a little. Looks good. I didn't mean to scare you. I'm Xavier. Ever. Forever, ever? Where are you going? Oh, what about curfew? Hey, Ever, remember that crazy fun night when you followed the rules? No. Exactly, because no one ever remembers those nights. If I just let go. Wow, the city is just... Incredible. Yeah. It's getting a lot better. Chinese work you're right. Yeah, um, gotta go. Love you. Bye-bye. Right now in life, it feels like I'm torn between two of everything. When I'm with you, I'm more me than I've ever been. I don't know what I want. Here's the thing. You worry so much about the life that you want. You never take the time to appreciate the life that you have. If I just Okay, so as we said, the film switches the title to Love in Taipei, and that change alone should give you some warning signs about just how utterly generic the film is going to be. Oh god, it's so generic. It's so generic. So this is directed by Arvin Chen. It is written by Mackenzie Dore and Charlie O, oh, but it is executive produced by Abigail Hing Wen. So... The author is involved and approved many of these changes. I don't understand. I don't but understand. Okay. So we have Ashley Liu as Ever, Ross Butler as Rick Wu. Interestingly enough, this film shares the same music supervisors and some of the same producers as the two All the Boys films. Mm. So it's interesting that we're bringing Butler over as well. And he's from 13 Reasons Why and the first season of Riverdale. So we've actually seen him a lot on the show. Quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have Nico Haraga as Xavier, Chelsea Zhang as Sophie, and Cindy Chung as Ever's Auntie Shu. This is a weird switch to me because Auntie Shu is Rick and Sophie's aunt in the book, and then we switch the character name over to this artist aunt that Ever has that she goes and uses her uh, artist space to dance and work on her audition in the film. And ruin her apartment. I... <sighs> I I have mixed feelings about this change because mm -hmm. I just really enjoy this actress. <laughs> and yeah, I liked, no, I think the actress is great. And I liked the character because she's like the fun, cool aunt, but it changes mm -hmm. everything, absolutely yep. everything about the stakes if ever has like a family member who she can confide in in Taipei. <laughs> Like, it yeah. changes everything. <laughs> Who is cool. It's not so like the cool. aunt is exactly like her parents and then the conflict remains. This is, oh, well, if I need an escape, I just go and hang out with cool aunt. It doesn't help anything to have no. this character, which sucks because every time this character is on the screen, I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah. In general, I think that's like a microcosm of what the film does badly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all the stakes are lowered. So, oh you know... Gosh. When you texted me about it, you were like, I knew that the nude pictures weren't going to make it in here. Like, we're not going to have teenage nudes in this. Although, mm -hmm. it's worth noting that all these characters are aged way up. They're like so 21 in the film. In the film, they're prepping for grad school. They're all in university or college already. 
they're prepping for graduate school or whatever comes next. So that's a big change. And mm-hmm. we, we could have had the nude photos in that context, let's just say. But also it doesn't work because they all still act like teenagers. Like it's, a, it's such a weird aged up thing. It didn't work for me at all. No, it doesn't work. It makes them all feel really frivolous as people mm-hmm. because they are in their 20s making teenage style choices and mistakes. Yeah. The other thing that doesn't work for me here is that rick woo is a dick (laughs) yeah like he's terrible and in general like sophie is terrible in general the film just flattens all of these characters and it Mm -hmm. takes out anything remotely resembling like stakes i was so excited to watch this adaptation joe (laughs) because i was reading the book and i was like wow like everybody has something that to them is like a life or death situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's so much for the filmmakers to work with, even if they don't, you know, we anticipated that they were going to remove certain things because the book is lengthy and you're not going to do everything justice. But it really does feel like we're cherry picking just certain little tiny elements to then inform, oh, cool, here's a romantic triangle story. The only thing that's unique about it is that it's set in Taiwan. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It is a generic, forgettable, like, no one here is doing anything interesting. And even it runs into the thing that we've seen time and time again, Joe, which is don't make a movie about artists because nobody is ever any good at their art in the movie. And it's very frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting reading people's reviews because this was announced, then we heard nothing for ages, and then it just dropped on uh, streaming services on August 10th of last year. No fanfare. There's very few reviews. So, And it was released on Paramount Plus. Like You can pay for a VOD on other streamers, but it came out on Paramount Plus, and I... Mm -hmm. I can't help but feel like that's not the place where things get the most watched. (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) it didn't scream confidence in the finished product, if we'll put it that way. But I I do think some of the actors are doing good work here. Mm -hmm. Like um, a lot of people singled out Chelsea Zhang as Sophie because she's a fun character. And I think she really embodies that extrovert spirit. But you're right. You know, she's far less complicated in the book. Here, she's just party girl. Yeah. And that's it. She's just a party girl. They they make the decision to have Rick be, like, super ashamed of whoever is, which... Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Um, and so as a it result, it doesn't fit the character from the book at all. Which again, it's like okay, the film is just very much doing its own thing, but it is very bizarre when in the book. There are distinct times where you think Ever could get with Rick or she could get with Xavier and they're both good matches. And the film is very clear. Rick's not a good match. She should be going with Xavier because Xavier is the one who truly sees her. And he's the unconventional like best friend choice. So you're like, oh, he was obviously the right partner all the time. Yeah, yeah, you can see it from like the first time his character is introduced. <laughs> yes, and I personally do want to single out Haraga because I do think he's probably the most interesting character, but also we don't really learn much about Xavier. No, that's part of the interesting thing here, I think, is that they spend all this time giving Rick a backstory to make him unlikable, mm-hmm. but they don't invest the same energy in the love interest that we're clearly supposed to want forever. 
Yeah. So as a result, I'm kind of on team ever. I'm on team like, let's put this summer behind us. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really tough because I think that Liao is doing okay work as an introvert who feels uncomfortable being around people. And she finds a certain amount of reprieve from the world in her dancing. As you alluded earlier, I don't think her dancing is very good. Like this is very generic ballet stuff. And the Mm -hmm. idea that she thinks she could have a future dance was very laughable to me. Well, the whole thing in the book is that she takes these crazy chances with her body and like she takes risks. Like right from the first page, the first time we see her dance in the book, Mm -hmm. she's, you know, like combining like cheer and doing all this like wild stuff. And so here to have it be yet really the most generic ballet routine. Mm -hmm. Oh, not great. Yeah, again, it made me wonder, you know, is it just that the film doesn't have a ton of money, so we we struggle to get better choreography? Or is it that we prioritize the acting talent of this actor as opposed to, okay, well, she needs to be able to dance, but like, don't worry too, too much about how good the dancing is, because that's not really the point, which I would get. But like, there are people who can do both. And yeah. in this case... I just find this actress is a bit of a wallflower. Like the character isn't super interesting ever is constantly fading into the background Mm -hmm. in scenes with other characters because they pop and she doesn't. Well, and I think you're, you're flagging something really important, which is that ever has basically no chemistry with no anyone, (laughs) but also like, I don't even find her particularly zingy with her best friend or particularly Mm -mm. emotionally resonant with her aunt. Like we often have the, the chemistry problem because YA films tend to be cast for the hottest people you can possibly put in the role. And half the time they end up just being like plastic with each other, which, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. we've seen it before. But I mean, I, she doesn't connect with anybody on screen. Like, no, at all no beautiful beautiful girl dancing yes. is subpar I, I think she does well in the like i'm introverted and i can't really connect with people yeah. but then that's supposed to blossom over the course of the film and it just doesn't really happen for me which yeah. is a huge problem when that is the only thing that the film is interested in exploring like yeah the class stuff is kind of thrown out the window yeah the well because her dad is is classed up he's not an orderly anymore he's a pharmacist so like Mm -hmm. a lot of the anxiety yes they're they're middle class they're not wealthy compared to some of the people she's hanging out with here but they're not struggling in the same Mm -hmm. kind of way as they are in the book and that also changes the dynamic because it literally makes no sense when rick's like oh yeah her dad's a doctor and she's like actually he's a pharmacist and then the whole family is like ew yeah really which i could still buy because these people are presented as uber uber rich like we know that they are in the book as well but because the book is being so careful to make sure that they are complicated interesting people it doesn't matter in the same way like there isn't a class critique from them to ever which is unfortunately the only thing that the movie wants to do with rick's character and even sophie like we don't ever get a sense that she's driven by this need to marry up because she doesn't want to end up like her mom that conflict doesn't exist in the film either so she just comes off as a frivolous party girl yeah it's weird they've made some weird choices they really took the teeth out of the book um mm-hmm. 
Well, and you said, you know, there's very little stakes or conflict. And even with the central weather-based phenomenon that really drives the entire back half of the book, like when the typhoon hits, it hits Taipei in the film, and it all just boils down to ever being dumb and leaving the windows open on her aunt's art collective. So that becomes the fundraiser. And it is such an underwhelming choice. It's a very underwhelming choice. Like, these are artists who already have a benefactor in the form of the aunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a weird choice. I don't know, man. It, this... This one bummed me out. And I said before we started recording, Joe, like, we really try hard on this show to not be like, oh, the book is better. But like, the book is better here. The book is so much better. To the point where it feels like the film just took some of the character names and then just did like the most paint by numbers portrayal like i really tried to step back and say okay you really like the book this film is not working for you can you talk about it as an adaptation and it just doesn't feel like they adapted the book it felt like they just went uh love triangles those still sell right let's do that (laughs) and it's a shame because i will say if you're at all interested in checking out the film it's very fluffy. It's very surface level. I want to give them props because they do make Taipei very oh, visually yeah. interesting. But again, that just isn't part like they don't know how to use it. So no. I was like, okay, this looks like a musical montage advertisement to go to Taipei. And in that capacity, it works. Mm-hmm. But as a narrative, as a romance, as like an interesting story, no. The best moment of the whole film for me was when they do that hike and they get to the Ooh. top of the hill mm-hmm. and they like peek out over like the hike looks like they're in the wilderness. Like I know mm-hmm. nothing about Taipei, right? No. The hike looks like they're in the deepest wilderness and then they come out and they're overlooking the city and mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful scene. Anyway, yep. they use it to, for nothing. But like, no. but that is my favorite moment of the whole film. Like the extent to which it's a beautiful exploration of a space or a place Mm -hmm. again they just don't seem to um want to linger there and it's a bummer yeah i enjoyed the scenes where we get to see them eating street food because that is definitely one of the things that i (laughs) whenever we watch movies or television that is set in like china sometimes japan and so on you get this better sense of the food culture, right? Mm-hmm. And I said that it was a huge aspect of the book that I was so excited to see represented on screen. And we get it a little bit, but it also is so small scale. You know, mm-hmm. it's in alley with a couple of food trucks or food vendors. And the food looks delicious, but also it's barely even atmosphere. And that bummed me out. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, watch it because it's a Saturday afternoon and you want to watch a cute romance, I guess. But sure. read the book because the book is great. Yeah, the book is legitimately fantastic. And I was so, so happy to have read it. All right. Let's YA bingo this up because it's got to be a lot. Like, this is the tropiest thing we've ever watched. So, <laughs> Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start mm-hmm. with Aged Up for no apparent okay. reason. Nope, doesn't help. But. I'm going to give it a Netflix connection because it's the same producers as Exo Kitty and That World, and also because uh, Ross Butler is like a Netflix darling. Got it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Montage because the oh movie is a, literally a montage every 15 seconds. 
and musicality this yes. movie loves a kind of k-pop version of a familiar american song yeah it really does it's all over the place obviously house porn more for the book than the film i loved mm-hmm. spending time at sophie's home holy cow <sighs> holy cow yeah amazing um good friendships for the book i actually really love sophie and ever in the way they weather their storm Mm-hmm. but also i'm gonna challenge that for the film and say <sighs> this friendship and all the romances are extremely hollow yes definitely it earned that too it's like oh. a whiplash between the book and the film <laughs> totally um obviously we have like a million perfect dates particularly between ever and rick in the book but mm-hmm. also there's some really lovely streetscape scenes with ever yeah. and xavier in the film Hmm. Hmm. We've got a sexual awakening oh, because, yeah. of course, one of the rules that Ever is looking to break is the fact that she has never even kissed a boy. So I, uh, we've not talked about it, but I love the fact that we've got a very likable central protagonist here who makes an ill-informed sexual decision and regrets it immediately, but it doesn't ruin her life. Yes, she's not actually ever punished for it. All she writes to herself in her journal is wait for love next time. Mm -hmm. But she Mm -hmm. doesn't even beat herself up over it. I love it. It's so refreshing. Yeah, it really is. I'm going to give coincidental classes for all the things they're learning in Mandarin class in particular, Mm -hmm. but also um, the bow staff and the fan dancing classes end up being like the pinnacle of the final scene. Yeah, it's great. I love how we fold everything in. It reminded me of that ending of Bring It On where we've done all of the classes and then we bring it together to create a new routine. Mm -hmm. Yep. It totally also reminded me of that. Uh, I'm going to say, no, Brenna, (laughs) you know what, for a minute, I honestly believed you. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm going to say ableism and abuse because of the way that Xavier's father treats his dyslexia. Yes, absolutely. I think that's actually a really important character trait. And it's an important point of connection for them because, of course, Ever knows that there's a different way to learn and help someone who has dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think my final one is, well, we've got borrowed time because, of course, we know that everything yes. is going to come to a crashing halt at the end of this summer. And uh, then we've got a female screenwriter. Oh, yeah, of course we do. Right on. Uh, you did a terrible job. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is the female writer of the book. Has yes, that. that one. <laughs> um. So you're going to laugh. We've got like more than half the board, but the the cards did not line up. Gosh darn it. (laughs) (laughs) We needed a queer secondary character. You know, that is one thing that neither book nor film delves into at all. Mm Mm-mm. So, Joe, we mm-hmm. are we are back. We are back for the new year. Yeah. And uh, next week, we're heading into my requested little Matthew Perry celebration with Seventeen again. Yeah. And then we are finally looking at the adaptation of Aristotle and Dante Discover the Universe, which I loved this book so much. And I'm so excited to see the movie. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm about just over a quarter of the way through. And I frankly have no idea where it's going. So I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, okay, so that's where we're headed. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on all the socials at HKHS pod. Um, Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B still on my remote. And that's the letter B. 
And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And of course, you can get in touch with us with anything long form, hkhspod at gmail.com. It's a new year. We've been missing your letters. Please write in. But also, uh, peek behind the curtain, Brenna is technically taking the month of January off. So we're recording all of these episodes in advance, which means Shush, we will Joe. not get your mailbags <laughs> answered until February. That's true. But write in anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, write us in and we'll respond to them all. It's just you have to be a little more patient. So um, until next time, I'm going to say again that Joe's wrong and it's totally 2024 when we're recording this. Absolutely. I feel so refreshed. I'm back from my Cuban vacation. <laughs> uh, so until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Hey!